Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. My interview today is with Roger Thurow. He is a former, uh, well, I guess he's still a journalist. He's a former journalist with the Wall Street Journal. He spent 30 years with them and 20 years as foreign correspondent. So we, we talk a great deal about a whole lot of things. But most importantly, we talk about his uh, his new book, The First Thousand Days. And it's really all about uh, malnutrition and malnutrition globally. And we talk about uh, these four mothers, these four families that, that, that Roger follows who, that create uh, this narrative thread uh, to, to the cost uh, behind, uh, behind uh, malnutrition and, and some of the, the interconnected implications of it all and the unattended consequences, as you said. We talk about foreign policy and we talk about his mantra, which is outrage and inspire, which I think you're going to find really interesting. We talk about agricultural development and, and we talk about hunger in the 20, 21st century. And we talk about something called the gray matter infrastructure. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, and, and, and we talk about the cost of, uh, or the costs uh, of inaction. You're going to enjoy uh, this conversation. Roger, in his own words, would say he, he, he gets carried away and it's great and it's energetic and there's passion and commitment. And I think you're going to love every minute of it. So please uh, tune in uh, for the full interview with Roger Thurow coming right up. DavidPeckLive.com for more information about my speaking and my writing and my podcasting, but also Rabble.ca for a whole slew of other podcasts that you can find out uh, more about on Rabble. Roger Thurow coming right up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today, uh, Roger Thurow. He's from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. He's a senior fellow there. He's um, he's an expert of a particular sort and uh, former journalist with the Wall Street Journal. Roger, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Delighted. So, I mean, there's so many places we could start. Thir- 30 years with Wall Street Journal, is that right? Yes, 30 years. Uh, whoever thought I <laughs> stay at one place for such a long time. But of that time, 20, 20 of those years, I was um, overseas as a foreign correspondent. 
so every four, five, six years or so was off to uh, new place, uh, new stories, new adventures. Um, and so I think that kept it all uh, very fresh. So before we start talking about your book, because we def- I definitely want to do that. You're, uh, um, what what do you, what do you you know? I mean, I love these kinds of questions. You know, these sort of what's the one lesson you took away? I mean, what what do you take away from thirty years uh, overseas? I mean, I, obviously it was back and forth by the sounds of it, but uh, what what do you take about uh, take away uh, and and sort of build? Uh, I don't know a new perspective, a different worldview. Uh, yeah, I think it's really, it was fascinating, kind of, so the time that I was, I first went overseas in 1982 uh, to Bonn, West Germany, when there still was a West Germany, uh, and then so I was there for four years, and that was during the time of the, still the Cold War, Sure, uh, uh, was raging, and, and, and kind of all the aspects with that, that I was in South Africa for about four and a half, five years, from the 86 to 91, and that was the last gas brutal years of, of apartheid, and you know, increasing uh, opposition, increasing repression. Then Mandela was released um, uh, while I was there. Was in Cape Town that day, and then there for a year while he was on the international and national stage. Uh, and then I think, yeah, what one sees is you get an appreciation for uh, the impact of, say, particularly from my perspective as an American, the impact of American uh, foreign policy and mm. things that are said. That you know, it, it might be say the unintended consequences because right. the, the, the the you know uh, uh, the effect both you know kind of economically that it can have, uh, but then also kind of on the attitudes that people then form uh, towards the United States, uh, you know, based on things. For instance, once one of the times that went were one stage when I was in Bonn. Uh, the defense secretary uh, in the U.S., I think it was Casper Weinberger, perhaps, uh, Reagan administration, and he was saying something about the prospect of a winnable nuclear war, wow. uh, which wow. meant that, you know, uh, I'm sitting in, in West Germany at the time, and the Germans heard that, uh, and they, uh, uh, you know, their hair was fairly standing on, on, on end <laughs> collectively because a, a winnable nuclear war, war would have meant that kind of all the nuclear missiles landed on Germany, <laughs> both right. East Germany and West Germany, and because that's where you know kind of a lot of a lot of them they, they were targeted at the time, figuring if there's going to be an, another conventional war uh, uh, during that time, well, it probably would have been on that territory, and so the French weapons were were aimed at uh, uh, Germany. Uh, you know, some of the Soviet weapons would have been too, uh, and so um, you know, or East Germany and West Germany, and so you kind of just see how a statement like that, you know, from the consumption of the of the American, you know, population or foreign policy apparatus, that uh, oh, there's a debate about about that, a wageable and winnable nuclear war, but if you're sitting over there, it's like oh. Geez, that would mean basically the end of us. So I don't know who's who's well, and would def- be winnable from their perspective. Define, uh, so. define winnable, right? Yeah, precisely. Yeah, what are you left with after that? Wow, I mean, uh, from anybody's perspective, frankly, you know, exactly. I mean, you know, right. wow. Just so, how how did I, mean, right. I guess the question? Well, so many questions popped to mind, but how, how have we survived? You know, how have we managed? Right. Yeah, I mean it's that's it's a fascinating thing that you had. I mean, and then it was you know then there was basically kind of the the, the great the big bang, not 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 kind of the nuclear bang that we were all you know fearing, or that the whole you know kind of 
Cold War apparatus was set about, but the Big Bang of, of history that happened. Yeah. You know, all basically within a, a three- or four-month period uh, at that time with the fall of the Berlin Wall in November of 89. Uh, and then, uh, uh, so I was, you know, kind of familiar with that story, having having covered Germany for so long. Uh, and then the release of Mandela then in February of 1990. So in that time frame between, say, no, that, that November and early February, uh, two things that, you know, most of us living at the time would have said, uh, well, those things will never happen. Right. Uh, fall of the Berlin Wall, also for the end of communism in Europe, uh, and uh, the release of Nelson Mandela and the end of apartheid. It was like, now those things won't happen. But they did within that short period of time. And then, and then you know, then you look at kind of all the forces that have been released in the world uh, 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 since then. Uh, uh, you know, it's been kind of this... I think somebody wrote that, well, it was the end of history. Right. But obviously that's nonsense. No, it was Fuki- Fukuyama, I believe. Fukuyama, right. And then uh, all this history that has come since then, because then after being based in South Africa uh, for those almost five years, then I moved to uh, Vienna, uh, always still with the Wall Street Journal and in Vienna. So and then in kind of early 91 uh, or so, or mid-91, was going to write about and moving there to to basically cover the burgeoning uh, democracy and capitalism in Eastern Europe, uh, and you know within months of you of, of moving to Vienna, then um, Yugoslavia began to mm. violently mm. disintegrate, and I was the closest person to uh, closest Wall Street Journal uh, reporter to that area, and so that for me then became a commutable civil war. I mean, it was a four-hour drive from our from our house in Vienna uh, to, say, the Esplanade Hotel in Zagreb, uh, Croatia. And, and Zagreb's capital, Croatia, had come under air attack, you know, at some stage. Uh, uh, did you did you refer to it as a commutable civil war? Yeah, because I would drive now. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I, the craziest I, I kept, statement I've ever heard. Yeah, that's hilarious. I, I'd, throw, I'd kind of throw my flat jacket in the back of the car, the back seat of the car, and, and, and drive down. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, both our children were born while we were in Vienna, and so that then, uh, you know, as shortly, you know, so at that time I'm starting to think about, yeah, this this, this isn't uh, kind of the reporting that I should, you know, be involved in anymore. And my wife at one stage said something eminently sensible uh, and very wise that, you know, if you go into a place where you need a flak jacket, you probably shouldn't be going there. <laughs> That's uh, right. And I said, yeah, absolutely so. And so, yeah, it should you know, be more then, like, honey, do you have your lunch bag, not honey, do you have your flak yeah. jacket? Yeah. 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 You Getting your, you're forgetting your, your lunch as opposed to, hey, do you have your flag check? Yeah. And so it was kind of, um, you know, at that stage then that, you know, uh, as a foreign correspondent and somebody kind of in the midst of all that is figuring, um, yeah, there's there's other stories uh, that I prefer to be covering mm. uh, that won't necessarily put me on the front line uh, of, of kind of civil wars and that kind of conflict and uh, mayhem. So and the journal, the editors were all were, were fine with that because they fully understood, you know, uh, the circumstances that the, that the various reporters will have. And so then after that, I really started writing a lot about the humanitarian and development issues, uh, and and that's then what what really brings me into this this this, this topic that 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 so moves me uh, and kind of the passion of my journalism. Then that's basically hunger in the 21st uh, century and the shame and absurdity. Uh, obscenity that we brought this yeah. medieval suffering with us into the 21st century in this grand new millennium. 
uh, of ours, and you know, kind of, kind of, how dare we, and and, and the so, negligence, and and the unintended consequences say, of our policies that that have been perpetuating that. So, so knowing that, you know, you've, it's a great phrase, by the way, this obscenity in the twenty first century that we brought into us this this medieval sort of way. Do, you know, as a journalist, you've see, you've seen a lot. Um, um, you could go on. You, I mean, you just, I, I think I hear a positive tone in your voice. <laughs> I mean, you know, are, yeah. is it just more? Is it just more of the same, Roger? You know, that whole history doomed to repeat itself kind of stuff. I mean, you just move for, you know, four-hour communable war, winnable nuclear war, civil war, winnable nuclear war. It just is. Are we just sort of? Is it is it repetition? Yeah. Well, I think. Repetition in the sense that kind of these these threats, these cons, these uh, the the conflicts, um, this this kind of needless suffering and poverty uh, in the world that we either seem oblivious to, mm-hmm. or if we know about it, we don't care that much. I mean, you know. Bono has a phrase, he calls it stupid poverty. Yes. You know, where, where so many people are still dying or getting so sick in societies and being so weakened by the bite of a mosquito. Uh, you know, that, 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 that hunger is still with us, even though there's certainly enough food in the world that's being produced. So basically on a caloric and, and energy basis, uh, or to provide energy for everybody uh, to live kind of a, a normal active life, but it, 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 it's obviously not being equitably uh, distributed. So it's kind of still these injustices of, of, of things like hunger and, and poverty uh, that remain. And, you know, you look at something like hunger, and it's, it's kind of above all a political condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know how to end hunger. Uh, it's not like we're waiting for somebody in a lab coat to like, discover a cure for, 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 for hunger or malnutrition. No, we know what to do. Uh, but it's this political will that says, you know, finally, let's, let's, let's do something about this. How can we live in a world uh, of this? So in this, in this most recent book, The First Thousand Days, I mean, it, it's so I, I've kind of, you know, throughout all this, um, that my journalistic mantra that has developed, like, uh, 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 my, my mantra would be uh, outrage and inspire. So hmm. through my reporting and writing, you know, to kind of have this one-two punch of outrage mm-hmm. that, why? What do, how, how have we brought all these, you know, problems and conditions with us in this 21st century? But then an inspiration that, well, there are people on the ground that are actually working towards this. Uh, the people impacted by it are, are, are recognizing and are working uh, for it. And so, you know, the, the outrage that's in this First Thousand Days book is that one in every four children in our world today is stunted. And in the developing world, it's one of every three children under the age of five is stunted, either physically, cognitively, or, or both hmm. uh, at times. And the cost of that stunting to all of us, and that, and that childhood malnutrition to all of us, is just, is, is, is just such a high price that we're all kind of collectively paying for that by lower education of the children, lesser productivity because stunted children become stunted adults, uh, lesser uh, economic activity, the health care costs that are mm-hmm. born. Uh, by by individuals, by families, by societies, uh, that rolls across time, and it rolls it rolls across across place. So a stunted child anywhere then becomes a stunted child ev- everywhere, and that we've gotten to the stage of one in four children in the world are still, you know, are stunted and are and are, and are malnourished. That you kind of need to smack yourself in the head and say, what's what's wrong with us? Are we are we so, Roger? Are we are we oblivious? 
I mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think you know. When you ask, I mean, are, are things getting better? Kind of a positive tone. You know, hopefully that that kind of the awareness, you know, arises. But you know, and and kind of when you look at the overall, you know, uh, situation of 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 like hunger in the world, you know, in absolute numbers, uh, you know, it, it, it may it, it, it's declining some uh, percentages just because the population keeps growing. Sure. Maybe maybe declining some. But I would say that that we still have this issue of one in four children in the world being stunted, of nearly a billion people being chronically hungry and malnourished, and another like two billion or so being micronutrient deficient, kind of a hmm. hidden hunger that hmm. you look at them and it's not like oh that, oh that child's not they're they're not like these horrible images that we have from 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 famine and starvation zones of, of horribly emaciated children and adults, so they don't look that way, but they're 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 they have this micronutrient deficiency that prevents them from uh, having developed properly either either physically or most damaging uh, you know cognitively and you know that that again that we've kind of tolerated that and we have this 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 world um, where that where that still exists so can, and, can, you know, so, and they say it's it's this obscenity it's this it's shame obs- or it's this a shame I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the most conscious and so despite all these things that have happened and and yeah progress that's being made and in the end look we entered we entered you know we're in this, this this new millennium now 16 years into it with all this scientific and technological achievement that we have and and and, and all this communications possibilities literally at our fingertips and still we have this this situation of 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 hunger uh and malnourishment to to such an extent. Well, and 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 now you're really you, now you start to really see the stupidity of it. Tabano's comment, right. right? The extreme nature of it all, and yeah. and 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 is this? Can I can I connect this back to unintended as to your phrase, unintended consequences of of not just U.S. foreign policy, but foreign policy in general. Yeah, and 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 then the domestic policy of of a lot of these countries. I mean, just kind of on the on on the hunger front. You know, agriculture development has been so long uh, neglected. Mm. Up coming up to maybe say in the 1980s or early 1980s, when it was still you know kind of seeing the impact of, of of agriculture transformations and the green revolution and such. And so maybe you know 20, 25 percent of overall uh, international development aid cumulatively, kind of from the richer countries, um, was 20, 25 percent to agriculture development aspects. By 2003, 2004, that was down maybe 3%, uh, 5% or so. And then when you look at, at, at investments in nutrition, which I think, you know, people, when they, when they kind of think about it, would say, oh, yeah, nutrition is so fundamentally important for the development not only of individuals but of, of, of healthy, growing, strong, prosperous, stable societies in the world, that nutrition would certainly be the cornerstone mm-hmm. of all development efforts. But still, of all the development spending that's going on, you know, less than 1% or so was being devoted to nutrition. And it's like nutrition is everywhere in both international and domestic development, and really important in the development of our you know, countries and, and, and societies as well. Uh, so it's everywhere kind of in, de- in, in, in development, but it was nowhere in development strategies. And so, again, kind of these... You know, you think, well, what else were we emphasizing? Where else has our has has the, the development money been been spending? You know, right. And so, in, in this book, the first thousand days, it's it's and so what I do is I follow 
mom, so the thousand days is from when a woman becomes pregnant to the second birthday of the child. And, and nutrition just so uh, uh, critical, and, and the vitamins and nutrients that, that everybody needs, so critical for, you know, the, the, the child as, 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 as he or she are growing in the, in the womb. Well, the mom, so how the mother is eating, you know, then those nutrients then passed from, from mother to child, then in breastfeeding once the child is born. And as the child begins uh, eating solid foods in the complementary feeding, uh, then it becomes comes, it, it is also, um, you know, equally critical and vital for, for the development of the brain. And the, the, mm. in that period, the brain is growing most expansively, most rapidly. Uh, all these, the, the formation of neurons and all these synapses that are happening, uh, and that's all fueled and accelerated by, by good nutrition. But yet when you look at it, we have had no emphasis on nutrition, and this thousand-day period has also been neglected by, by development thinkers and, 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 and you know, theorists and practitioners and strategists, uh, both kind of domestically in our own communities and then... Is it, Roger, is it, is it the kind of thing, you know, you, you mentioned it's a political a question of political will. Uh, obviously, it's it's far more sort of complicated than, than just that, I suppose. And one of the things I've certainly learned working in development is just the interconnected nature of all these issues. Yes. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, there has to be a collaborative approach, and it's got yes, to be comprehensive, absolutely. and you've got to be talking to one another in, in, in the language of choice, uh, a preferred language of choice, you know, uh, right. uh, whatever that means depending on, you know, I, I was thinking recently about a lot of political science literature just seems to presuppose that context isn't that important, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yep. and coming, and, and I've just done a series of interviews with, with filmmakers, documentarians from the Toronto International Film Festival, and for me this year, the one of the themes, and I think maybe it's just a personal theme, is this this notion that, wow, we just as human beings don't listen very well. Right. And I wonder right. to what degree this, you know, this problem of nutrition, malnutrition worldwide, globally, not just in the majority world, but mm -hmm. everywhere, is a problem of people not paying attention. Yeah, oh, very much so. Uh, and so all these moms and the children and the families that I follow through the thousand days in India, Uganda, Guatemala, and Chicago, uh, so I, 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 that, that's how the narrative forms of, of the first thousand days. So it centers around the lives of these moms and children and their families and the communities um, right. in these four in these four distinct places. And what you see is that the moms instinctively know that uh, and practically know that this develop that, that these development issues they are comprehensive, that everything is integrated. Right. And that and that so even if you so I went into the book figured, okay, I'm gonna really look at so the importance of, of, of nutrition and, and the impact that of, of, of malnutrition and the cost of inaction of, of malnutrition. Uh, and, you know, that's then, then I certainly see that, yeah, nutrition is fundamental and a cornerstone of all development aspects of both, as I said, individuals and families and then, then societies in the world as a whole. But nutrition is supported by, by so many other aspects of development. So water, sanitation, mm -hmm. hygiene, infrastructure, health systems, good governance. And in the stories of all the moms and the children, you, you, you see, we see that develop through the narrative. And then also, uh, and again, that the, that, that, that the moms, that is, I'm, 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 so I'm going back to all these places five, six times uh, in the course of a thousand days, Chicago more frequently because it's closer. Sure. But, you know, then I could spend, I'd, I'd spend less time perhaps at each visit with the moms of, 
of, of Chicago, so kind of probably cumulatively the same amount with, with kind of everybody that I'm writing about in the book. Um, and and from them, yeah, you see this, this, this certainly this practical knowledge that, uh, you know, this all needs to come together and these development efforts need to move forward simultaneously across a wide front. So this, this era that we've been in for so long of, you know, say, pet causes. Well, I do this, and I, I, I want to do that as best as possible, and I'm competing with funding against everybody else uh, for what I do, be it, be it building schools or putting books in schools mm-hmm. or building clinics or digging wells, and that's what I do. But then you can't be oblivious to everything else that's going right. on in those right. communities that you're working because everything supports everything else. So like these moms in Uganda, they're all starting, uh, and they're all farmers, they're starting to grow under like uh, this Harvest Plus, so this biofortification project, uh, which where crops are bred. All it's all um, uh, kind of traditional uh, breeding, so there's no no GMOs. It's just it's just the, the breeding and and highlighting traits already nutrient traits already in those crops. Uh, so the iron that's already in beans or the zinc that's already in in wheat, uh, the vitamin A that's already in like uh, sweet potatoes, uh, the orange sweet potatoes and kind of highlighting those traits so that by eating these crops, which they eat every day, uh, you know, or even several times, several meals a day, that just through eating these staple crops, they then get more more uh, nutrients. Right. And so the moms in Uganda, they're growing the orange flesh sweet potatoes, they're growing the high iron beans. And so they realize, and they can see both themselves, how, how these the, the pregnancy, kind of after they've started farming these things and consuming these crops, how they feel better during their pregnancies, how how kind of the birth weights of the children are up, how the children are developing. But Brenda, one of the moms, and and, and, and her boy that she gives birth to is, is Aaron. He's he's really robust and strong. Her first child, unfortunately, had died uh, within the first two weeks of of birth, and that was before these they started growing these new crops. So here she has this robust boy uh, born, uh, and he's developing well. And in one trip, when I go back, I say, "So Aaron, so Brenda, how's how's Aaron doing?" And she starts having this kind of panic-stricken look on her face, and she begins weeping mm. as she says, he hasn't grown much since the last time you were here, which would have been, you know, three or four months uh, previous, and his development has stopped. I said, well, what happened? And it turns out that uh, the well that they were getting their water from uh, had gone bad, and dysentery was spreading throughout the village. Oh, and so all, wow. her, all, her, all her efforts on a nutrition front were undermined by a few sips of bad water. And so I'm thinking, oh, yeah, well, this is tragic that it happens in these communities. And I'm back in the United States, and then you start reading about everything going on <clears throat> with our water system in Flint, Michigan. And then it's not only Flint, Michigan, where the water, you know, the, the, the heavy lead content and the problems with the, with the water there. Then reporters are finding out, oh, there's pockets all over the United States that have, that have troubled water uh, sources. And it's like, well, there are all these commonalities so around is it... the world in this thousand-day period that sure. I just found so fascinating and again it's listening to you know the moms the families uh the children on the ground of kind of what's going on in your life and any development people obviously you would have found this certainly yourself because kind of filmmakers that are involved in, in reporters in, in in these issues that when you sit and talk to people you kind of hear all these responses of things that are going on in their lady lives, how they make decisions, yep. Yep. all kind of the various forces of, 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 of poverty and all the social forces that are going on and how that all plays, plays into the development of their children and their families and their own health and you know, how that then all needs to be put together in these development aspects. 
How much, how much of this is about education, not only of, of say, I, I guess you could say the moms on the ground, but, but of, as you say, domestic and local governments and local uh, organizations, but also at a much higher level, you know? I mean, I think one of the things I've certainly noticed, I, t I teach in international development at Humber College in Toronto, and students every year come in with a very, most of them sort of wide-eyed and, and want to change the world. And by the time they leave, a lot of them are quite, quite negative right. and quite cynical and so on. On OT, well, what are we going to do now? I mean, what a mess, right. you know? Right. How the heck are we, where do we even begin kind of a thing? And right. so, and yet, even still going into some of these settings with we've got the answers, you know, here's what it says, or here's the chart, or right. here's, the, here's the log frame that we're going to use that's going to make all the difference in the world. And the reality is uh, everything can change once, once you're on the ground. So I think, I think it's about education sort of at all levels, right. but, but you know, if that's yeah, true, I, how do you how do you how do you inject that you know into the conversation? Yeah. I, I I agree. I mean, and, and it, it's yeah, certainly. I mean, so education is 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 absolutely uh, critical and, and a critical part of, kind of all these programs. You know that you may initiate or put on the on the ground in in development aspects of all societies. And I found that, like, in speaking with the with the moms during their pregnancies, that probably the most common craving of pregnant women around the world is is for knowledge and particularly knowledge on the nutrition front well like mm. what should i be doing or what should i be eating right even if, whether it's their first child or their second third fourth fifth child it's like well what's new uh, right. what should i be eating where's that information there and then you find out when they get the information and so in each of the the, the four places that i'm at there's 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 uh, local organizations um uh, you know, development workers, uh, social workers uh, that are are working, you know, with the moms, uh, and so they're kind of departing this this information. And so, and again, you see, gee, this nutritional information is the same all over the world. Uh, uh, you know, it's based these nutrients are the are, are you know, kind of humanity's common denominator that we all know them. And so, then you can see the moms. They're, they're, they're taking notes. They're 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 paying mm. attention on on the, the, the foods to eat, how to cook the foods, mm. uh, basic information that we would think is is like kind of really basic or or no brainer type of things. But it becomes revolutionary sure. when you're hearing these things for the first time. And so yeah, we see that and, and you know the phrase then knowledge is power. And so there's this empowerment that comes with the knowledge, but then when you're faced with because of of of, of various you know. Uh, uh, limitations in society or because of, of the family's own poverty, that the inability that to put this knowledge into play, this knowledge is not so much power then as, as that knowledge becomes a burden. It's another thing that the moms know and the families know, yes, this is what we're supposed to do, but, well, we can't afford this food. Or, you know, you're on the south side of Chicago where going to a farmer's market or going to a shopping center or a grocery store you know, might be a fairly hazardous uh, prospect in these times, in, in certainly during the times of uh, of escalating violence uh, uh, in, in in parts of the, the south side of Chicago, uh, and uh, so you see that then becomes this these these kind of limiting factors. So poverty then becomes this trump card um, of everything, mm. and so you know, addressing the underlying issues of poverty and the injustices and imbalances that that causes then also needs to be kind of part of all development aspects, sure. whether they be in our cities or our rural areas, you know, in Canada and the United States and the rich precincts of the world, or whether it's kind of development aspects for um, 
uh, for people in countries in the developing world. And so, and and then the education. So not only the miles, but as you say, from 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 the top down, that you need to get to the heads of state, to the yes. finance ministers who control the budget. So it was really interesting. So two weeks ago, when the World Bank held their annual uh, fall meetings in in Washington, uh, Jim Kim, the the head of the World Bank, he basically summoned all the finance ministers to uh, a session that lasted for about uh, about two hours or so, where. He and then others were talking about uh, the importance of nutrition in the first thousand uh, days, and what they were then talking about is 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 this value of what they're calling gray matter infrastructure investment. Hmm. So hmm. investing in the development of the brain, sure. gray matter, because the World Bank and these finance ministers of all of these countries, they've all been focused on for for decades. Oh yeah, what we need is developing countries. We need in, we need investments in. Uh, roads and bridges and airports sure. uh, and dams and buildings. And as well, now they're saying and realizing, hey, one thing we've been forgotten about and neglecting in all this is perhaps the most crucial investment in all, and that's the investment in particularly the cognitive development of, of our children. So how do and you... Then, you know, how, how do you go after? How do you go after a leader like that? So you're talking about, you know, you you talked about the right. co- the cost of stunting, right? So you got productivity right. and education and healthcare right. costs and economic and so. But what, Roger? What about the uh, the 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 you know uh, the you know use the word obscenity, right? Very values like. Right. What about the moral <laughs> yeah. question? You know, right? And so, right, and, and that's a really important question. So, you know. For years, that's been the primary argument. This this is a moral issue. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a an issue of of of, com- of decency of humanity. Right. We have to end hunger. We have to end malnutrition. And clearly, that hasn't moved us far enough. Mm. That we still have these problems with us. So part of this argument now that when you when you go to the finance minister, you look at the cost of the of of of, of malnutrition, the cost of inaction, and. So with this kind of rising kind of thousand days movement uh, in, in, in around the world and say also in the United States, there's this parallel um, uh, uh, movement that's been going on called scaling up nutrition, and now there's about 60 countries that are that are kind of members of that. These countries are starting to do economic analysis in their own countries of the cost of of childhood malnutrition and stunting, and what they're finding is 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 really eye opening for them and, and and kind of for the rest of us. Is that so? In in countries like you know India, Uganda, Guatemala, where you know the the the, mal, the child with malnutrition and stunting rates you know are thirty, forty, fifty percent of the child population, uh, those costs, those annual costs to the economy are the equivalent of of, of six, eight, ten percent equivalent of GDP loss every wow. year because of the lost education, the lost productivity, uh, the, the, the 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 accumulated health care cost uh, throughout society. Ethiopia did their did an analysis and it was 16 percent, and then uh, uh, then there's kind of uh, uh, then regional analysis goes on. Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia uh, cumulative in both cases the impact of, of childhood malnutrition and stunting is estimated to be an annual cost of about 11 percent of GDP equivalency. 11 percent. Wow. So when you start so so that then becomes part of the education of the finance ministers, sure, sure. The, the presidents, the prime ministers, the, the, the ministers of, 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 of economic development, those that are looking at the competitiveness of their countries and societies and, and, and for, for, for outside investment and things, and they're also internal investment, look at the cost that this is having. Yes, it's, it's always been the right thing 
to invest in these issues and make sure you don't have any malnourished and, and hungry children in your countries. It's always been the right thing to do, but now it becomes a smart thing to do. If, you con- if your countries want to, to advance, to, to, to grow economically, uh, to have opportunities uh, for all, to move into middle-income countries, then you've really got to concentrate on this. So I think that then becomes the next uh, step of this, that, you know, yes, it's always been a, a moral and, and, and humanitarian issue. It's always been the right thing to do, but now it becomes the smart thing and the vital thing to do for the, 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 the not only the, the, the health and, and development of the children and families, but for, you know, our own economies. And then globally, you know, so the World Bank will estimate, it, it might be 3 to 4%, several trillion dollars a year of, of global cost of, uh, of childhood malnutrition and, and stunting. So I'm going to play the idealistic card and just go, there's something about that that pisses me off, Roger, that it's got mm-hmm. to be an economic right. reason that's going to motivate the world to exactly. into yeah, action. Right. There really is. I mean, you know, right. let's, you quoted Bono, I'll quote him as well. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he said this isn't, uh, or at least it's a, it's a variation of somebody else, but it's not, this isn't about charity, it's about justice. Well, if it's really yes, about, exactly. if the question is really about justice, there's got to be some kind of moral inkling there. There's got to be some kind of, you know, ethical edge to that that says this is just plain wrong. This is obscene. Right. This is this is beyond yep. reproach. You know, yep. uh, the gap continues to grow. And what the heck are we doing about it? You know, and yeah. I think for me, exactly. from a social change perspective, you know, you use the word unintended consequences, and I was gonna, mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you about the whole splash and ripple and the incrementalism of it all, and mm-hmm. you know, those the little baby steps and so on. And I mean, right. I wonder, you know, obviously, I think we are moving in the right direction. I just kind of sometimes wish, when it comes to these issues, wish is the wrong word, but would like to think that we can do so much better. Right. Without yeah. with, without that much effort for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the underlying thing of this. I mean, we can do much but much better. And when you look at it, well, what are we what are we doing to all of us and to mm. and mm. to ourselves? Yeah. And yeah. and so I write in the book, I mean, yeah, there, there's all the you know, so, so there's there's all this economic analysis going on and, 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 and the numbers are, are like big and you know, staggering. Gee, you know, and you ask yourself, well, why do some places in the world remain better? both places abroad, but in places in our own countries and societies. Why do they remain so poor and kind of mired in poverty? It's, it's largely because their children are getting off to such a lousy start right. in life. Interesting. And then you figure you know, that, okay, it's uh, um, uh, that, that kind of the economic impact, and, and there are huge numbers, as I said, but to me the greatest cost of malnutrition and stunting, they're, they're immeasurable. You know, it's like something that, that would benefit all of us. Like, it's a song not sung or, or a novel not imagined or, or a poem not written. You know, an invention not, not you sure. know, discovered or a building not designed or a horizon not explored. You know, an innovation not nurtured, a, a, a cure not discovered. So what might a child have contributed to the world right. if she hadn't been stunted in a thousand days? Look, a lost chance at greatness is a lost chance for all of us. And so that... That, that again, you, you, we, we, we would hope that everybody should be moved by this, by this moral outrage that has to happen. So this outrage and this inspiration that we'll, we're outraged about. Certainly, we can do something about it. Sure. There's various inspirations that we, get, so we can do something, particularly about this issue of, of hunger and malnutrition. But that clearly hasn't moved us collectively enough yep. to get to where we need to be on this, yeah, because no. we still have, as I said, this obscenity and this, this, this on our conscience of of hunger and malnutrition and childhood stunting 
And if that hasn't moved us, and then the whole argument then also moved it, it had a security aspect sure, to it. That, sure. That, look, look if, 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 if the moral issues don't, reasoning doesn't move you, and my God, it should, but if it's not for some strange reason, uh, there's, look at all these social, these security aspects of it. What kind of unstable world are we in where there are such great injustices uh, and inequalities, and, and, and that some people are still afflicted with this medieval uh, suffering? So what kind of stable society and world is that? Yeah, doesn't Jeffrey Sachs... That doesn't move you. The end of right, poverty, and if that doesn't move you, yeah. here's, 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 here's these economic reasons, and what are we losing? What, what benefits are we not reaping potentially from all these children because they're stunted, and they got off to a lousy start in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, I mean, there's, I mean, and we're kind of back to that whole interconnected comment, and 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 how mm-hmm. it's it's all kind of a, a, a smaller piece of a much larger puzzle. Uh, doesn't Sachs say in the end of poverty that you know his answer for people? Well, why why in part? Well, because of uh, terrorism and violence, essentially. I mean, I th- I think that's one of one of his points that he makes in 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 uh, in his right. book. Um, right. Yeah, because that that's if if you're in one of these situations and somebody comes you know, with you for argument, hey, join this organization, or let's do this, and you're kind of in this this hopeless situation, and you may be exposed, and you're seeing justice, well, why am I in this situation? That then becomes, in essence, I think that he talks about, you know, also this kind of the siren song. That sure, would, sure. You know, and that then became, like, after 9-11, and kind of all the terrorism that we've seen, uh, uh, the burst of terrorism since then, that, you know, how much of this is driven or the recruitment of people and this ideology spreads, you know, kind of, you know, along with these these inequalities uh, and, and injustices in our world. So, th- so the book, so we're going to have to wrap it up here in a few minutes, Roger, mm-hmm. sadly, but the book, the book is The First Thousand Days, A Crucial Time for Mothers and Children and the World. Do you, so you spend a lot of time laying it out and, and the research and the studies of these four women and their families, no doubt. Do you get into solutions at all? Do you talk about the policymakers, the, the domestic and foreign and, and, and the people on the ground and, and what they might be able to do? Yes, very much so. So as one as one is seen, so they had kind of the opening, the prologue of the book then kind of has these, this bigger picture thing and the statistics and this sure. economic rationale and argument. But then starting with Chapter 1, I mean, it's all about, it, it, it's the narrative flow of the moms and the children and the families in each of these uh, uh, four places, and then you know, with them as 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 one observes them, then it's also well. Here's what here's what kind of these local organizations or international organizations are kind of doing on the ground, uh, on the mm. the education aspect, on the healthcare aspect, on issues of governance, on issues of kind of behavior change, uh, you know, and communications um, of these things, and 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 here's organizations that are then trying to move things forward on a wider front uh, simultaneously. And so hopefully that's where one, where one then, you know, you have kind of the outrage of one in four children malnourished or stunted in our world. But then, you know, here we can see things moving uh, on the ground and where ideas, uh, you know, can happen. And still even where progress is being made and still undermined at times by this uneven, un- uneven development or focusing on one cause and not, uh, uh, and not another. And then on the issue of governance, I mean, when she's really clearly saying in Guatemala that at the beginning of the thousand days when I'm following the moms, you know, the government, they're, they're, they're reasonably new in office and they're saying they're going to, they have 
you know, targets to reduce stunting by, by 10%. And Guatemala has, has almost 50% nationwide uh, stunting rates uh, in Guatemala. It's the worst in the Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And, in the, and in the Western Highlands, where I'm following the moms and their children, it's, it's upwards of 70% of, of childhood malnutrition and stunting. So that government is saying, oh, for the sake of our competitiveness and just the sheer humanity of it all, we need to attack stunting and malnutrition. They set targets for like a reduction of 10% in four years, which would be, you know, ambitious. Uh, and then by the time the thousand days is finished and I'm following the moms in the Western Highlands, how are they impacted by all this and by what the government's saying and, you know, whatever programs there are. By the time of my reporting, the, the, the leaders of the government are out of office. Some of them are in jail. There's been a corruption right. uh, thing. And, and all these efforts are basically, you know, kind of washed away by all this, by, by the corruption and the scandals and everything. that, that and, 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 in fact, then some of that then, you know, is like, well, this government really, you know, uh, tries, you know, reducing malnutrition, or at least rhetorically. Uh, gee, well, where did that get them? You know, they kind of end up in this, in, in the kind of in, in, in out of office and, and, and discredited uh, for other actions, not on the nutrition front. So it's like, uh, yeah, well, that issue. So do we want to try that again? The new government is is, is starting to emphasize uh, malnutrition and and reducing stunting again. But you see there the crucial nature of it has to have the support of the, the government sure. because yeah. these moms, when they were when the children were coming to the one to, to, to the age of, of, of one. And getting their one-year, one-year-old vaccines, there weren't even any vaccines available in these areas, in, in, in the clinics and in the hospitals. And a lot of the, a lot of the local clinics were being shut down because there was no money in the system. the The, the health budget had been, uh, the health ministry budget had been, uh, had been pillaged. And it's like, wow. So all this rhetoric is just so hollow because, again, listening to the moms and the families on the ground, what's actually happening? What are we getting out of all this rhetoric and talk? Nothing's happening here. In fact, things are, are actually getting worse. And so, um, you know, that through the narrative of this, you start to see, uh, hopefully what the, the reader sees, yeah, these are, these are important initiatives that are happening. We can see how, you know, uh, this, this agriculture that emphasizes nutrition, how that's important, the nutrition value of the crops, how kind of behavior change and behavior change communications um, is important. In, in altering some some practices, like even the United States and the addiction to moms have of, of, of these flaming hot Cheetos and, and and these these snack foods and stuff that are that are you know uh, not good at all for their for their health, realizing they eat healthy. It's kind of all these changes that have to happen. So you see, kind of yeah, what needs to be done and what is being done, uh, and then also then how still kind of holes and and and. And troubles with healthcare systems and uh, you know infrastructure and things, and then kind of constantly still undermines those things. So hopefully, one becomes really aware of, uh, oh yeah, here's what is being done. Here's some you know there's the outrage and the inspiration, sure. and still what needs to be done. And this this kind of integrative, uh, comprehensive development yeah, the, 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 method that we got to we got to do it all simultaneously. And as you say, so critical. You just have to listen to people on the ground because these moms and these families, they're living it daily. They yeah, know it yeah, instinctively, yeah. Um, you know, what needs to go on, and we just need to, 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 to really listen to them. Sort of a, sort of a here's the reality, and, and here's our response. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. So you mentioned really quickly, uh, you mentioned campaigns. The, the, you mentioned, uh, the, that was it the Thousand Days campaign? 
Yeah, or movement, I guess. So there's an organization called, yeah, there's like the Thousand Days organization in Washington, D.C., that is, you know, kind of coordinating, um, okay. uh, certainly so, the awareness raising, the communications that are need for the Thousand Yeah, that's thousanddays.org, thousand is it not? Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. so this uh, is a good, good way for people to get involved. There's a lot of information there. You can donate. You can read more. You can, you can dig. Exactly. And, you know, I think what we all need, what's incumbent on all of us, people are thinking, so what can I do? Yeah. Uh, it's, to, it's to really, to, 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 I'm always saying, you know, raise the clamor on these things. Mm. Nice. Uh, yep. and, and, and say, this is why it's important, the thousand days. This is the, the, the cost of our inaction and what we're all bearing, but that, that you know, we can do something about it and raise the clamor that basically, I mean, my hope would be that the thousand days or the phrase the first thousand days then becomes this household word, this household phrase sure. all over the world, that in Canada and the United States and Europe and, and, and throughout the developing world, that when you hear the phrase the first thousand days, you don't need an explanation. You know immediately what time frame it is, what the important issues are, and why it's so important sure. for for all of us. And so it becomes kind of a kind of the new uh, kind of cornerstone or uh, 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 paradigm, I guess, that one is a prism that one is is looking at all development efforts through. That what are we doing that really then improves uh, nutrition, water, sanitation, hygiene, infrastructure, everything, governance. In, that's really improving uh, the conditions in that thousand-day period. Well, I want to want to thank you for your time today, uh, Roger Thurow. He's a senior fellow at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. His book, "The First Thousand Days: A Crucial Time for Mothers and Children in the World," it's uh, available on Amazon. And um, check uh, the organization thousanddays.org online uh, out as well for more information about how you can get involved. Roger, thanks for your time and for your work. Uh, I want to say congratulations. And, and, and you were just up here recently, and I'm so sorry I missed you and uh, up here in, in Ontario. And, and hopefully right. we'll, we'll get to meet uh, sometime in the near future. But, yeah, so appreciate the work you're doing. Well, thank you. And I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted to, to come back because I found, yeah, a lot of, a lot of interest and excitement uh, around this issue, and a lot of caring, uh, and and fellow travelers who also want to. Uh, I don't know if that's a proper phrase. <laughs> no, sir. No, it's fine. But, hey, I know what the question. But, but comrades, in, but comrades Com- in the struggle who will also raise a comrades too. Uh, 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 yeah, compatriots in the struggle that will also raise the raise the clamor. And I think next time, next time we chat, I want to find out what the final word on craft dinner is. I, I think I need to know. Right. Okay. can do that. <laughs> Excellent. Roger, thanks a lot for your time again today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And delighted to, uh, to share the time with you and your listeners. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.